Welcome to Lung Cancer Considered, the podcast of the International Association for the Study of Lung Cancer, a global organization dedicated to research and practice advances in thoracic oncology. You can find all of our podcasts on SoundCloud and at IASLC.org in the news section. Hi, I'm Janet Freeman Daly, a writer, lung cancer patient and research advocate, and co-moderator of the monthly Lung Cancer Social Media Twitter chat, also known as hashtag LCSM chat. On this episode of the Lung Cancer Considered podcast, I am joined by Dr. Paul Bunn and Dr. Suresh Ramalingan to discuss the upcoming ISLC 2020 Lung Cancer Targeted Therapies meeting to be held in Santa Monica starting February 19th. Dr. Paul Bunn is a distinguished professor and Dudley Endowed Chair at the University of Colorado Comprehensive Cancer Center. He is also past president and past CEO of ISLC. Dr. Suresh Ramalingan is Roberto Goizieta Chair in Cancer Research, Winship Cancer Institute of Emory University. Welcome, Paul and Suresh. Thank you, Janet. Glad to be here. Thank you, Janet. So, Paul, you've been attending this meeting from the beginning. How did the meeting get started? Well, as you know, Janet, uh, most patients with lung cancer present with advanced disease. And up until uh, around 1980, there was no treatment that made most of these patients live longer. And then our original treatments were chemotherapy. And it was shown the two drugs were better than one. But chemotherapy is uh, pretty nonspecific and has a lot of side effects. So due to advances in basic cancer research and translational research, new targets, uh, which would potentially lead to new therapies with reduced toxicities, were developed. And so uh, some of the early targets were something called VEGF and something called EGFR. Um, and so it was decided that with these scientific advances, it would be good to have a meeting that focused on new treatments so that investigators, companies, and the public could have access to the newest trial designs and the newest trial results in the most timely manner. Okay. So the meeting has a unique format. Could you describe that format and why it was chosen? So if one uh, looks at clinicaltrials.gov, which has all the clinical trials, one would see that over time, the number of targets and the number of trials has gone up considerably. And so uh, it was felt that for this meeting to be most educational, most of value to the participants, that basically all of the trials with new agents might be presented. <clears throat> Um, when trials are concluded and are presented at national meetings, generally there's a lot of details about the trials, how many males, how many females, uh, and so on. Um, and a lot of that material is not you know, pertinent for new drug therapies being developed, which focus on the target, the toxicity, the best dose, but then the best trial design. And so to be able to present all of these trials and a meaningful time frame, it was decided that we would pick one target and then each drug aimed at that target would have five minutes. And so this is a very <clears throat> complicated meeting with a lot of information flowing fast. 
um, to keep uh, the science in focus, there's usually a science talk for each target and discussion, but each individual study is allotted five minutes in time, which is somewhat unique to allow for a comprehensive look at all the new drugs and all the new studies that are going on. It is unique. It's almost like a fire hose. It's hard to absorb <laughs> it all, but fortunately, uh, the attendees get all the slides from the presentations uh, as well as uh, being able to see them at the meeting. They can look at them afterwards to try to absorb the details of what they're most interested in. Well, that leads me to another point. A lot of big oncology meetings publish their abstracts and publications for everyone, and this meeting doesn't do that. So why aren't the presentations publicized? So while we want this meeting to be small and interactive, we want the information to be as widely disseminated as possible. Therefore, those who don't attend the targeted therapy meeting can still purchase access to the slides presented at the meeting via the IASLC virtual library. One of the key aspects of this meeting is the data presented are often early and they are not necessarily ready for consumption at a larger level. This is purely to stimulate research conversations. So in order to allow people to feel comfortable to present even something that they have early, we have to keep the content to the uh, attendees themselves and not make it public. Uh, we have it by intent because people feel comfortable to come and talk, hey, I only have this much information. Uh, this is what I'm willing to share, and I'm open to feedback. So that sort of early information that can be processed and subsequently discussed in a way that helps further development of the drug or the group of drugs is a key essence of this meeting. So you're really aiming to accelerate research. Yes, I absolutely. think uh, Suresh is absolutely right. One of the things is, you know, the investigators, uh, institutions, want to know what studies are going on to decide what studies they want to do at their institution and to help them design the next round of trials. So oftentimes, for example, the data are just phase one, seeking a dose and a biomarker. And then the investigators can see that and design optimal phase two or phase three trials based on what they hear. And they can also have discussions with the companies about what trials they want to open at their own institution. Okay. I, th I think another aspect of this meeting is it brings everyone together. And I know in my meetings with other patients and advocates, just being able to talk to somebody else who's dealing with the same issues as me is really helpful. So how do you think the relationships formed at these meetings help accelerate research? One of the interesting things about this meeting is it is limited in size, uh, and it could probably grow. One of the issues about having it grow would be the lack of interactions uh, that happen at this meeting. At this meeting, um, there are young investigators, and those are people uh, in their training or their early careers. Many of them can submit abstracts so they can come to the meeting. There's also more established uh, investigators. And then there are also investigators from the companies who are interested in hearing what novel trial designs or what the best trial designs would be. And because the meeting is relatively small, all of these groups can have tremendous interactions. 
And so besides having posters that come from the young faculty, there are breaks uh, where uh, people from industry and, and faculty uh, can get together to discuss future plans. So one of the key things about keeping the, the uh, meeting small and having it be primarily people interested in clinical trials is the intimate uh, interactions that they can have with one another. I've also seen uh, patient advocate organizations there, and they are talking with the researchers trying to learn what are the areas where their efforts would make the most difference. Advocates are incredibly important, not only that, but we want the advocates to know what all these trials are so, um, so patients can go on the appropriate trials. When we say targeted, that means the patient's cancer has a target, which is defined, and that there's a study of a drug that's developed for that target. So there are many advocates organizations, as you know so well, Janet, that can make people with specific whose tumors have specific targets. It's very important for the advocates to make known what trials are available for those patients. So that's a win-win situation for the advocates, the physicians, and the drug companies that are sponsoring those trials. Oh, that's great. So, Suresh, what is it about this meeting that appeals to you in particular? What's special about it for you? I think this meeting has best of a lot of attributes that we look for uh, for those of us who are doing both patient care and uh, research. Uh, first of all, by going to this meeting, you get a snapshot of all the exciting medications, clinical trials that are going on across the field of lung cancer. I don't think there is any other forum today anywhere in the world that packages that kind of information to us. This, as Paul mentioned earlier, helps us think about what are the trials we have at our institutions, what are the trials we're doing through our cooperative groups that will be valuable to our patients and to answer important research questions, uh, what is coming down the road. Uh, this sort of information really helps us strategize when it comes to our own individual research. The second main piece is interaction with colleagues and with pharmaceutical industry uh, to understand how their programs are going, how to uh, find opportunities to collaborate with colleagues on grants, on research projects, or even on educational programs that you're working on to increase the impact. The third thing is career development. We have a lot of early career researchers and faculty members that come to this meeting, and over the course of time, they have the opportunity to interact with senior uh, researchers, have mentorship relationships developed, and that helps their career development. Uh, that's another key attribute. We're very excited by the opportunities that are available in lung cancer, and equally exciting is the number of energetic, new, bright colleagues that are coming in. We want to make sure they have the opportunities to uh, enhance their career so their work results in broader good for our patients. Janet, if I could just add one thing to that. Uh, the meeting is, is also attended by pathologists, surgeons, radiotherapists, as well as medical oncologists. And biomarkers uh, are uh, an imperative for targeted therapy. If you're going to target something, you have to know what the tumor's expression of that target is. And so there are pathologists and biomarker discussions also. And that also, besides helping investigators, 
it helps the companies because the companies can learn what the investigators think are the best biomarkers for a trial. Those are all really valuable. Both of you have mentioned the inclusion of fellows and younger researchers in this meeting. Do you think that those who are entering the field now are taking a different approach than researchers did 20 years ago? I would say this is a very different time from a, for a variety of reasons compared to, say, 10, 15 years ago. Uh, one is there are more tools in our armamentarium, more drugs, more uh, strategies available to uh, develop research programs around. Uh, at the same time, there are also some challenges and additional burdens that have happened over the course of uh, time. Uh, I, I would uh, make the point that cl doing clinical research is more burdensome now than it was before. So the new researchers have to navigate that landscape. Uh, I would uh, say that uh, there are more resources available to them now. For example, the IASLC has a number of forums for early career investigators. Uh, there's a training program called IASLC Academy that helps uh, train top-notch uh, aspiring candidates to uh, gear them up for a career in uh, academic lung cancer research or thoracic oncology research. Uh, there are forums through the cooperative groups that continue to be vehicles for career development. Uh, there are also more patients who are willing to participate in clinical trials now than it was before. Now, we have still a lot of work to do, but uh, these forums, exactly like the one you mentioned earlier with advocacy groups, allow some of these difficult clinical trials to be done through uh, social media and increasing awareness through other uh, forums available to researchers. So uh, I think it is a very different landscape, but there are a lot of strengths with the current landscape. For instance, a clinical trial uh, as lung cancer become more and more segmented based on biology, uh, they can't be run in a single institutional setting in most centers. So to have the collaborative uh, relationships across centers, to leverage patient advocacy groups, to raise awareness about specific trial in a specific patient subset uh, are all now possible, which were not uh, a few years ago. So it's a different landscape. And I believe that uh, when you put everything together, it still is uh, in a positive direction. Janet, I guess I would use the word networking. Uh, <clears throat> even though young investigators uh, have more t micro molecular tools uh, and easier access to information with the internet, uh, interactions are still just as important. So having young faculty interact with more senior faculty having more senior faculty interact with younger faculty, and having them both interact with pharmaceutical industry and advocates, I think is an advantage to everyone. So one could argue that this more intimate meeting has more networking than, than any other meeting and allows the young people access to begin to network. Okay. Suresh used the word landscape, which is something I was going to ask you about. The landscape of lung cancer has changed dramatically, as you mentioned, over the past 20 years. What are some of the most significant positive changes you've seen in lung cancer treatment and research? Sure. I can think of four or five broad topics where we made major advances. I would have to say it starts with early detection of lung cancer. We have a tool for early detection in the form of CT screening. Uh, now, this is a very underutilized tool, 
less than 5% of eligible subjects are getting screened, but I think this is going to help us move lung cancer to being detected at early stages where a cure is more likely to happen. The second theme I would think about is targeted therapies based on molecular classification of lung cancer. With these targeted therapies, we're now extending patient survival, we're understanding mechanisms of resistance, we're developing approaches to overcome or delay the emergence of resistance. Immunotherapy is a very exciting advance. We now are able to, uh, at least a subset of patients with lung cancer, are able to achieve long-term survival. We're moving these into curative settings, and hopefully we will be able to leverage the exciting advances in advanced-stage disease and early-stage disease as well. Another area is uh, the use of liquid biopsy and the sequencing technology that's available. We can now sequence tumors. Uh, when you don't have sufficient tumor tissue, you can sequence them in blood, and that can provide valuable information to guide therapy for patients. So these are, in my view, some of the major developments that have taken place that have helped us move the needle and uh, improve outcomes for patients. Yeah, and just to, talk, just to talk about that needle, as I mentioned before, while we would rather have patients have stage one, the majority present with stage four disease. And if one looks in historical data, the five-year survival rate was about 5% for these stage four patients. Certainly uh, now, with the targeted therapies and the immunotherapies that Suresh was just talking about, we often see median survivals of three years, and 30 or 40% of patients, even with stage four, alive at five years. So the whole uh, paradigm has shifted, and one of the reasons to have the advocates uh, involved is to get this information out to the public. In the past, lung cancer had a very bad name, and some people didn't even want to have a diagnosis or be treated. Uh, but now, with these toxics, uh, less toxic and more effective therapies, uh, it's not unusual for patients uh, to live five and, and more years. I have many patients with stage four disease now who are at 10 years. And so, um, besides getting this information, um, to one another, to investigators and companies, uh, it is important that we work with the advocates to get this information out to the public. And for me, as a patient, uh, that part is huge. This is the first year in quite a while that there's been such a large jump in lung cancer survival in the statistics. Yes, the ACS. Yeah, the ACS announced that uh, the lung cancer mortality rates declined by the most ever. Uh, in the last two years. And so that's very reassuring for patients. Well, so I found that very helpful. Um, Paul, can you comment on what trends you see for the future of lung cancer that might give us more hope? So most of the new treatments are started in stage four disease. And even with the new treatments, curing patients with advanced disease is not common. Uh, it's not impossible, but not common. But it's much easier to cure patients with earlier stage disease, especially when combined modality treatments such as surgery and immunotherapy or chemotherapy or both, or chemotherapy, radiation, and immunotherapy. So I think that uh, investigators are really hopeful that the cure rate 
for early stage patients is going to improve considerably as these treatments are integrated into earlier stage. And at this meeting, we do have the radiotherapists and the surgeons come to talk about these early stage trial designs, early results, and potential future designs. So we are still trying to find some targets for small cell lung cancer. Do you see some hope on the horizon for small cell? So the first thing is that immunotherapy has improved survival in small cell lung cancer, albeit not to the same extent as it has in non-small cell. And there's a lot of research going on to try to understand why that is and to see if we can make immunotherapy uh, more effective in small cell. Another issue in small cell cancers is that these driver molecular alterations are less common. In small cell lung cancer, essentially all of the patients have misfunction of two suppressor oncogenes that prevent cancer. And the P53 and the RB suppressor oncogenes are mutated so we don't prevent cancers. And unfortunately, we can't replace with gene therapy or other approaches uh, suppressor function uh, at the moment. We are developing uh, other targets like um, DNA repair enzymes and other things, but it certainly is true that the advances in small cell to date have not uh, been as extensive as they are in non-small cell, but there's certainly some advances. And hopefully this meeting will continue to get people networking and thinking of ideas to find some new approaches. That's for sure, and we're, we're still working on ways to overcome the loss of a suppressor oncogene. That's a, that's a key. Um, P53 is obviously the biggest target in cancer, and so for research, that's, that's a key uh, goal. So question for both of you. Um, medical meetings sometimes can be so focused on facts that they get a bit, uh, shall we say, dry. So what do you have in mind to make this meeting a little more fun on its 20th anniversary? Well, I guess I can go first because I've been around for all 20. So we do want to celebrate the fact that things have gotten better. And uh, in the beginning, we're going to hear from both the ACS and the FDA about <clears throat> how things have gotten better. But we want to have some fun uh, as well. So we're having uh, some contests uh, at the opening ceremony to, uh, to have some fun about some, uh, uh, shall we say, uh, humorous things that have happened. Uh, we also have a faculty dinner, which we're going to have some piano uh, and some singing to help bring people together um, in, a, um, in a more uh, less formal way. So uh, we're having some debates, some contests, and some music to, um, to lighten it up uh, a little bit. Suresh? Uh, I agree, Paul. We also have the uh, evening talk, which happens on Friday evening, which is uh, a leader in the field giving an overview of how uh, the field from his or her perspective has changed. And those talks usually are mixed with humor and uh, uh, facts. Uh, we also have music after those, and sometimes people break out and dance. A lot, lot of uh, 
the enjoyment that comes out of this meeting in addition to the learning is actually renewing friendships with your colleagues that come to the meeting who you see. Uh, you go out for dinner with them after the meeting or you uh, grab a cup of coffee and start thinking about plans for the next year. Uh, those are uh, other enjoyable aspects of this meeting from my standpoint. Well, I look forward to seeing you both at the meeting. And Paul and Suresh, thank you so much for making the time to talk with me. And thank you for creating such an interesting meeting. We look forward to seeing what comes out of Targeted Therapies this week. Thank you, Janet. Thank you, Janet. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Visit the news section on IASLC.org for more Lung Cancer Considered podcasts. And please like your favorite episodes on SoundCloud and share them with your friends and colleagues.